what I learned is that we all have the same aspirations for ourselves. A lot of women are worried about becoming irrelevant. They're no longer going to hold an important position in their children's lives. And that's probably not a bad thing, but they can redirect that energy to something else. And that's what I love seeing. The women inspire me because when they go through menopause and some of the challenges of that, they come out the other end. You just see it's literally the phoenix rising and digitally butterflies suddenly finding their purpose and really deciding, well, how am I going to make a difference in the world? What can I contribute? And that makes me so excited. That's Faith Agugu, founder of Silver Sirens. And this is WNA Trailblazers. WNA Women's Network Australia. Trailblazers. WNA Trailblazers, amplifying the stories of women in business, hosted by Women's Network Australia CEO Cheryl Gray and me, Louise Poole, managing partner from podcast and content production business, Welcome Change Media, proud media partner of Women's Network Australia. As women, we're bombarded with images and opinions from a very early age of what's acceptable as far as our looks and our behaviour are concerned. And it seems that after we turn 50, we suddenly become invisible for a number of reasons. Faith Agugu is a therapist and founder of Silver Sirens, an organisation that supports women in claiming their power later in life, recognising that they have so much to offer in this next phase of their lives. And today, Cheryl Gray, CEO of Women's Network Australia, is exploring this topic. Let's talk ageing, Cheryl. Is it still rude to ask a woman her age? You know, I don't think it is anymore. I think if anyone has an issue with their age, it's not actually because of their age. Mm. It's because of what's going on somewhere else in their head. I think ageing and our attitude to ageing is really changing. And that's why someone like Faith is an incredible person to talk to because she's leading that change. Yeah. You know, she's really actively leading that change. And milestone birthdays, like turning 40, turning 50, they are still a big deal for us, but our attitude to ourselves and our lives and our businesses even does change around those milestones. Are you 50 plus? I am 50 plus. I'm 53 this year. And I changed my business. I took a new direction at 52. Mm. 50 is the time to kind of make big decisions and they don't all have to be risk averse make my life easier decisions, you can chuck it all out there and have another go. Have you seen much from the stats in the network so far? Are we finding that there's actually a trend towards as women age, they're going, I'm going to do this? Absolutely. And I think part of it is that they might have always had a burning passion to do Mm. something. You know, I've always wanted to da-da-da-da. Both the combination of age and experience and knowledge plus a bit of a COVID push (laughs) has been a good reason for a lot of women to go, well, it's now or never. If I want to do it, why shouldn't I do it? And that's an amazing thing. We've seen some fantastic new businesses and women changing direction, trying something that they probably never thought they might do. And yeah, it certainly sparked something. It certainly sparked something for Faith Agugu. She founded Silver Sirens. Absolutely. She's just such a ball of energy and enthusiasm. But what I love about her story and Silver Sirens was that she started that organization because she was dealing with some women who were really unhappy with themselves and where they were in their 50s, that they felt they were worthless, that both their physical value and their emotional value had declined. And she comes from an African background where age is celebrated Mm. and her elders are respected. And I think that cultural lens that she could overlay to both her profession as a psych 
psychotherapist, she was able to say, look, you know, we need to do something different. And she grew her clients by talking around that. And what I also love about what Faith's done with Silver Sirens is she set some really clear principles about what the organization stands for and what it won't tolerate. Because with any group or organization, you can have individuals that want to, for whatever reason, take a different path. And I think Faith has the confidence in what she's set up to actually then say, no, if we're going to come together, everyone has to be respectful everyone has to be caring and that's a really nice environment that she's created so she's awesome let's hear faith's full story now about how we can take back our personal power with her personal and professional journey which started in nigeria hello faith agugu how are you i'm good cheryl so nice to talk to you again yeah and you too always a pleasure we're talking about networking conversations but before i wanted to talk about you and Silver Sirens, I would really just like to go backwards in time a bit and just hear a little bit about where you grew up and how you found yourself where you are today. Mm, Okay. So the age of nine, I grew up in Nigeria and moved to the UK at the age of nine and left the UK at 25. (laughs) So I've been in Australia for nearly 32 years. So this is the place I've been the longest, interesting enough. What prompted the move to the UK? So my family moved. So my father was offered a scholarship at that time. And it was just at a time when Nigeria was just newly independent. And my father was a politician and he was offered a scholarship to study the British (laughs) political system. I'm laughing because... (laughs) He was given that opportunity to travel there, so he went off with the family to have this adventure. When you were in the UK and you were schooling, what were you thinking the world was going to be for you? Did you have ideas of what you were going to do and where you were going to end up? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a very, very confident young person. There's no doubt about that. And I think coming from Nigeria, when I came to UK, it was just like the kids just seemed very childlike. And I think when you're living somewhere like Nigeria, you just grow up very quickly. But I just remember just seeing like, oh, my God, they're like babies, these young people. <laughs> and so I started my very first business venture at the age of nine and that was at school the tuck shop had certain lollies and I knew that they didn't have the lollies that most of the kids like so I asked the headmistress if I could set up next to them so I had my little stand next to the tuck shop and I sold everything they didn't and I would sell out most days you know that's so cool a lolly empire yeah 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 it was great (laughs) you got then involved at some point in the fashion industry yes So at the age of 16, I got my first fashion gig. I was working with, it was like a collaboration of young fashion designers and they needed models and they found me one day and I started working in the fashion industry there, just modeling for them and did that as well as juggling other jobs. You know, my passion from the age of 17 to 21, it was all about travel. So I would work for a few months, then I would go off and travel for about six months and I would come back work. And that's kind of how I live. So that job was great. And I did that when I was in London. And then the move to Australia happened. Yes. So like a lot of people, for me, the move was around love. I fell in love with an Australian man walking through London bare feet. And I found that so attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone walking around London bare feet. This wild Australian man just really attracted me. And we fell in love. And um, he said to me, we were living in London. They said to me, can we just please, it was so cold in winter. It was like, can we just please go to Australia just for six months, just for the summer? I promise we'll come back. Yeah. Last words, you know, 32 years ago. Wow. <laughs> is he still barefoot? He is, but he's no longer mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> he finally found some shoes. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when was it that you decided to study again and become a psychotherapist? Again, in the fashion industry for a very long time, when I arrived in Australia at the age of 25, right up until my early 50s, my then business was called Raw Fashion Agency. And I was PR and sales manager for fashion designers. And I would represent them in sales and get their clothes on TV, did PR for them. And GFC hit. And like a lot of businesses, I was thinking that it's something that I could do to save the demise of my business. My business was falling apart. And I kept thinking, all I've got to do is just work harder. Mm-hmm. And I kept working harder. And I I'll just be, I'll be overwhelmed, depressed, worrying about how I'm going to pay my staff. You know, I had a team of 10 at a time, mm. all of that. And it just got too much. The one day I just realized that this was not sustainable anymore. And I had what I see now as my existential crisis slash midlife crisis that happened around my late 40s. So then when the business fell apart, I closed the business and I spent about a year licking my wounds, just doing laps swimming in the ocean. And then I realized that I had to reinvent myself. I realized that as a woman in her early 50s, all of my years of experience with businesses wasn't going to just get me the next job. I thought that there'll be doors opening and that wasn't the case. So I just had to really kind of consider what was next. So I decided that I've always helped people. I've always enjoyed helping people. I think I'm a bit of an old soul. So but I had three criteria of the job I was going to do next. Because I've worked in retail for a long time. It was important for me that my next career would be sitting down. <laughs> And it would be paid really high hourly pay and that I would get better at it as I aged. Those are my three criteria and psychotherapy fitted all of those. So I was like, great, I'll take it. Fantastic. <laughs> and it obviously, the study and what you were learning connected and clicked with you as well. Yeah, it clicked with where I was going. Like I said, as a person getting older, I know that I will get better. My knowledge will get better because I've got more lived experience. So it clicked with me because it felt like the right place to be going, whereas the fashion industry was very much focused on youth. As a PR person, I was expected to go to all the parties. I didn't want to go to the parties anymore. Honestly, I wanted to go to bed at nine o'clock, but people didn't want to see that person. They wanted to see me. So my clients would be disappointed because it's like, you don't come to any of the events anymore. So yeah. Therapy was the next phase of my life. It was where I was moving to. So it felt really natural. And it was through your clients that you really started to pick up this bit of a pattern that women who are hitting their 50s are troubled in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) What were some of the patterns you were seeing? It was such an eye-opener, being in private practice and being referred women. And I remember when I got my very first woman that came with that, I was actually doing a conference in Byron Bay and someone introduced me to this woman and she was in depression and someone said, look, we think faith can help you. So I started seeing her and her main uh, malaise was around aging, afraid of being invisible, afraid that she'd lost her value, afraid that people would no longer look at her, that she'd be overlooked for positions at work, opportunities would be dried up. She was newly single, concerned that no one's going to look at her now. So those are the things that she presented with and things around even going grey, you know, oh my God, this is terrible. Look at my greys, look at my greys, she used to say to me. Look at me, you know. So over time we started to work on it and I would share with her my attitude to ageing and she was quite fascinated by that. So she started to refer some of her friends. So at one stage I had 10 of these women They were all kind of connected in some way. Some were from their book clubs. Some of them were women at work, but all of them, they were secretly afraid of ageing and they hadn't kind of said it to anybody. No one spoke it out loud because they felt ashamed. Mm. But 
were all experiencing the same malaise. So they all started to come and see me. And I just kind of thought, this is wrong. This is just wrong that these women have internalized the negative narrative that surrounds women and aging. And I say women because it's not the same message as surround men. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I started doing my research, I realized the message for men was very different. They were dashing, they were going to get better this new life ahead of them. And for women, it was about decay and kind of women were rotting, you know, as was basic, whereas men were blooming. So I wanted to challenge that because I knew a lot of friends my age and we all felt quite similar regardless of their culture. There were women that I was attracted to with the women that were really looking at this next phase as a new beginning. So I started to kind of talk to those women and tell them about my idea. I've got this idea about this movement and this is what I think. So that's how it really started. And I started off by doing an annual event. The first one was 2018. And we had mind, body, spirit, soul was the three sections. So everything that affects a woman's body, we had the first section worked on that. Everything that affects a woman in midlife mind. And then also the last one was around legacy and aspiration and elderhood. Who do we want to be as elders? So that's kind of how it all started. It would have been such a breath of fresh air for a lot of women to actually be able to talk about that stuff in a way that celebrated it rather than hide away and think, I'm over, I'm worthless, it's the end. Yes, and that's the feedback I got that first year. We had a friend of mine who's an ex-model as well, an African woman, she spoke about ageing from a number of different cultures. She talked about the African but also Japanese and other cultures. And a lot of the women said to me that was their best part of the day because it was just good for them to see that this thing that we've internalized is not universal. Not every woman on the planet is going through the same thing and there's an alternative way to look at it. Tell me a little bit about those cultural differences because I think in African culture, age is not something to shy away from. No, it's not. My mother is my role model and I adore her. And, you know, in her 50s, I saw my mother blossom. She went and studied. My mother had married this man that was the leader in our community. My father is equivalent to the person who created New South Wales. He created our state in Nigeria. So it was a big thing. But she was always the humble, second in, you know, in line. It was never about her. And I saw her. Their marriage fell apart. She just started to blossom. She went to study. She started traveling extensively. She met a new lover. It was all about her. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And she was vibrant. She just came to life. So I saw that. And then looking around me, my sisters are quite a bit older than me as well. And I saw how they were aging. And I know, I knew that culturally too, our culture was the older you are, the better. The more, there's all about reverence. There's a lot of reverence. It's a lot about stepping into your role as the wisdom holder for the next generation and and supporting your community. That was a very, very um, respected role. And everybody wants to be in that space. Like I, for myself, I can't wait to be an elder. For me, that's something that I look forward to with absolute pride because it puts me in that position of being able to really support my community, the people around me. And I do that through my Silver Sirens work, but I'm just so aware of the privilege that is. And my eldest sister died at the age of 41. Another friend of mine died last year, just before her 50th birthday. I have absolutely no doubt that aging is a privilege and I will not waste one second of it worrying about things that I can't change like wrinkles or, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Why do we focus on things like that? Grey hair and wrinkles. Why do we get so obsessed about stuff like that? Because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. (laughs) Nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Absolutely. What did you personally get out of connecting with these women and seeing that they could approach aging in a different way? Did it change you as well? 
Yeah, I think things always change. You know, like I always think about Silver Sirens, like it was a project, a vision that chose me. I didn't choose it. I struggled with it like a lot of people, you know, the imposter syndrome. I just thought, look, I'm not the right person for it. I'm not a woman who looks my age, so other women are not going to relate to me. They're going to be like, what do you know about aging? All of that sort of stuff. So I haven't even stepped into the role and really own it. And it took me a number of years to really own it. I'll say the last two years, I've really stepped into it. But before that, I just didn't want to be in that space. So it's changed me so much because I've had to really stand, step up. But also just seeing the women transform. I love our community because there literally is women that live in housing commission and women that live in mansion and every woman in between that. And I love that. And what I learned is that we all have the same aspirations for ourselves. A lot of women are worried about becoming irrelevant. They're no longer going to hold an important position in their children's lives. And that's probably not a bad thing. But they can redirect that energy to something else. And that's what I love seeing. The women inspire me. Because when they go through menopause and some of the challenges of that, they come out the other end. You just see it's literally the phoenix rising and usually butterflies suddenly finding their purpose and really deciding, well, how am I going to make a difference in the world? What can I contribute? And that makes me so excited. It's certainly a time of quite massive physical changes, obviously. But this switch in mindset, how does it all play out professionally because yes I think as women hit that 50 mark it's that sort of zone between I'm not old enough to retire and I've got to keep working but can I keep doing what I've been doing for say the past 20-30 years is it a time when we should be embracing risk should we be taking risks at that time starting businesses changing direction studying is it the time to do that look I think it is the time to do that but I think it goes beyond whether we should I think that every Everything in our bodies forces us to. From a developmental, psychological developmental perspective, it's that next developmental phase where we do reflect. When we talk about midlife crisis, it's really just a time to reflect. We made decisions in our 20s and 30s that were fine then, but are no longer going to be really relevant or useful for us to when we move into the next phase of our lives. So it's a time for, I call it, emotional and mental stock taking. So what are my values now? What are my current values? Are the people in my life really the people that I want to continue? You see a lot of marriages end here and it doesn't have to. It could be about two people sitting down to kind of work out where they're at. But a lot of people don't understand that so they kind of split. It's a natural developmental stage for us to reflect and consider. So I think for a lot of women, it's not that they should, but they're compelled to. They're compelled to do something different. And I always say, and I've got a few of the women that I'm working with at the moment, I say that you've got to reduce the physical intensity of the work you do and use more here and here, the intuition. We've harnessed our wisdom through lived experience. So we know now we can short circuit situations because we know that A and B leads to there. We know all that now. So one of my women, for example, she's in there age to buy a lot of money, but she's still kind of feeling like she has to work really hard. So I'm encouraging her to let go of some of the physical exertion because that's the stuff that's going to really burn you out at this stage. Now bring some of your wisdom in and start being in positions of mentoring and guiding and certainly businesses. So if a woman is inspired to start her own business, I really champion them and encourage them this is when to do it. It's that stuff around waiting for people. If the table, you know, there's no seat at the table, build your own tables. And (laughs) Honestly, this is when we should be building our own tables so that we create businesses on our own terms. 
not trying to use broken systems, I, you know. I feel that maybe because I'm at that age and stage myself that there is a bit of a movement, there is a bit of a feeling that we are going to be different as a generation moving into our 50s and 60s. And it's not like we're in denial or pretending, but it is that we are prepared to perhaps take a different approach. And with some guidance, sometimes it's not needed to feel safe to make those decisions because there just does feel like there is more support around. Yeah. We're talking about things in a way that our mother's generation didn't have access to. We've got access to psychotherapy, to coaching. A large majority of women come into therapy the first time in midlife because it's the first time they've had a moment to pause. So that's a process that's new. And then to seek guidance from a coach from other people. I think it's something those women were really good at. We don't have to try and work it out by ourselves. You don't have to try and work it out. There's so many people around us who are doing it around us. And I think what I love about women is an open-heartedness to collaborate, to support each other. And I just that makes me so excited about being a woman and, and a woman at this time where there's so much skills, resources that we can share with each other. And that's certainly, I see that in civil science community. Very, very generous and open-hearted and I love that. How much of an influence the societal, external, social media, media in general? We see some amazing looking older women and whilst that's terrific, I think for some of us it can also make us feel like that's not going to be me. How do we deal with that and still take the positives out of moving forward? And I think that's one of the downsides of social media because I'm not one of those people that think social media is the worst. I think the comparison is a big thing that women have. And we have the Silver Sirens Guiding Principles. We have 15 guiding principles. And one of the guiding principles is that stuff about we discourage comparing behaviours. And I think that's one of the last where women can police each other, maybe not consciously, but we can do that. And so I'm very much into every woman ages on our own terms in her own way. And it's great that there's women that are aging in a spectacular way. They've kept their figures, they look amazing, they fit. It's great. Those women usually work beautiful anyway. Because not everyone has that. So I think it's, again, for us to understand that that's not us, but we do have so much else to contribute. And I think as we age too, we realise that our value is not so much attached to our age. And I think our youth or our slim widow, and I think, and I see that in my practice, most women come to a place where they just surrender that. Usually when we start, they're saying things like, oh my God, my stomach, I just can't get it. It's not as flat as it used to be. After we've worked together a few months, they just let go of all that stuff. They just go, that's not important. This is what's important. That you know? sense of being comfortable in your own skin because you really don't need to worry about it anymore because your focus is somewhere else. You're not trying to attract me. Mm-hmm. Especially in the workplace where it's youthfulness. You've got so much to contribute that's got nothing to do with your physical. That's one of the freedoms. Some women say to me, yeah, but no one looks at me anymore. I just go, that is a relief. What are you talking about? I really love that Silver Sirens as a group is not just about women coming together but those guiding principles that really spell out I guess in some ways a commitment to each other yeah and I love that they use the word commitment you know because I started the guiding principles it was after the second event and I was sitting down with a group of women and a couple of the women started to criticize gossip about one of the women and the reason why they were criticizing her was because she was really beautiful and that just made took me back to my fashion years where it was fair game 
to pull down a woman for any reason. It didn't matter if she was perfect, they'll find a way. And I just thought, this is not okay with me and I don't want this. I know none of us are perfect, but I want to have a guiding principle that we as a community, at least we aspire to. And when we're with each other, we know that this is the sort of environment we're trying to create. Mm. And so I keep the guiding principle at the beginning of every event that we do. Even all our online events, I always read it. In my steering committee meetings with my women, I always read it. Mm. And I want to be reinforcing that we're not perfect, but let's just know that this is where we're heading as a community. Yeah, that's fantastic because apart from being our own worst enemies, women can be pretty vicious and nasty towards yeah. each other, can't they? Mm. Yeah, and can and for, for lots of motivations, there's lots of reasons why, but it's nice that you've seen the importance of setting some principles around that. And I guess that's really then respected by those who come and become involved in Silver Sirens. Yeah. I was that thing about creating, you know, some level of safety because you're saying when you come in here, we're not going to judge you on that. You are planning another event this year because we've all been locked away in our cupboards for the last two years. So tell me a little bit about the event that you're planning for later in 2022. The event on the 1st of October is our signature event. This is the event we started with, an event that we do once a year, and it's called Redefining Aging. And it's a full-day event in Sydney. But because of COVID, since 2020, 2020, we did it all online, and last year we did a hybrid. Mm. So wherever you are in the country and around the world, you can still attend because it is hybrid. It is in Sydney. Excited that you're one of the speakers. And our topics this year, the first topic is empty nest, loss, or new beginning. And that's what I see women. A lot of women have to go through that grief of that change in their roles. But usually when they come out the other end, there's a lot of joy. So the first topic is emptiness. And then for the first time, we're inviting the boys to come and play. We're inviting men into the Silver Siren space. And that topic is about, is aging easier for men? Because popular culture, the media, everyone tells us aging is easier for men. But the research proves the opposite. So we've asked three wonderful men to come along and share their experience of aging. And my beautiful partner is an artist. He's going to be emceeing that section, so I can't wait. Fantastic. And then the third topic is sexuality beyond 50. Again, I want to tackle really meaty topics in Silver Sirens. I don't want to be afraid of any topic or shy away from any topic. And the message we get is that when women get to 50, they all dried up and shriveled up and they're not interested in sex. Some <laughs> women are not interested in sex, but the truth is that for most women, it's the first time that they have full control over their bodies. It's the first time they're actually super comfortable. They're not worried about periods. And a lot of women towards the end of their menstrual cycle have had horrendous experiences with period. I did. Mine was horrible. So usually this is a time where the first time where you, you have control of your body. Your body's not going to break down. And you can really, for the first time, really enjoy the whole process around your sexuality. So we're exploring that. And by the time this comes out, I can say it, we've just secured Kathy Lett. As well. Oh, fantastic. She's based in London, so she's going to be Zooming in, but I'm meeting her in July. I'm going to be in London in two weeks' time, and we've arranged to have a cup of tea. So she'll be talking, and she's very vocal around women and their sexuality and how things get better for women in this area in their 50s plus. So that's going to be a fun day. It's going to be amazing. And our final section is a segment called Our Elders Are Treasures. I always like to finish the day with giving a platform to our elders. Now, elders are women over 70. Every year is a different topic they focus on. This year, we're looking at mastering grief because women 70 and above, they've usually had a number of encounters with grief, whether they've lost their spouses or some have lost quite a few children earlier on or things like that. There's something that changes the woman when you encounter grief. So again, I want these subjects to be normalized that we can talk about. What is it like to lose somebody? How do you deal with it? How do you bounce back? And how do you heal and come back? And also, how do we prepare for 
what's going to be happening for us. So that's the final topic. So super, super excited. Nice broad range of topics for the day. It's going to be a great day and I'm certainly looking forward to being part of it. I wanted to wrap up by saying how have you built your own personal experiences, both in terms of ageing, but your business experiences that you talk about earlier? How have you built them into Silver Sirens and how you work with your clients now? I'm assuming that that experience, your lived experience through all of that, provides you with probably a high degree of empathy, but also you can share that with them. Look, from a psychotherapy perspective, obviously I'm so lucky that I've got that skill and it's not just someone who can listen. People think it's just that, but there's in the training there's so much that you learn that allows you to be fully empathic but at the same time, very boundaries and contain. That doesn't mean that I can't feel with my client. It doesn't mean if something really bad happens, I don't cry. I have a client right this very minute who is just about to die. So she's literally two weeks away from death and she called me yesterday and we had a bit of a I could feel a little bit, I could, I could get teary. But I'm still okay to move on to the next person. So that level of being able to stay empathic, but it's also still be self-contained, that is so amazing. And I bring that into my work with Silver Sirens. I think from the very first session, um, very first event, one of the feedback I got was I stood up there and I was so scared. So scared of thinking, what am I doing? But I shared that with everyone. And they just said, we just saw your vulnerability. You gave us permission to all be vulnerable. And I think that's carried through in the community, whereas we're very open, very warm. It's just that sort of thing. And also, I've just learned boundaries. One of the reasons why my business failed in 2014 was because I was such a people pleaser. People owed me so much money, and I was so scared to ask for it. I'd literally pick up the phone to ask them about it, but I'll get off the phone without saying it because they would have changed the subject, and I'll be too... I wanted them to like me. I'm so over that. I am so over that. So I'm very clear about have the conversations about money, straight off, get clear, nothing to apologize for. Men do that with ease, but I see so many women struggle with that. That's a really good point. And I think it is certainly probably an area where a lot of the women that I work with and spend time with struggle and having conversations about money and value are, are really hard really hard and then if you're at that stage where you're also questioning your own value in terms of your aging and the process of it then it really just compounds that it's both the business value the professional value and the personal value all sort of comes to a head yeah i agree i agree Well, look, I'm incredibly grateful for having connected with you and really admire the work you're doing with the Silver Sirens. It is a really important thing for women to be able to share those vulnerabilities, have that trusted, respected and accountable space where they can be together and support each other. And I cannot wait for October to be part of Silver Sirens. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so glad our paths met. Me too. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. What an amazing woman. Such great energy Faith has. I love her. She was such a good find for the Trailblazers podcast, Cheryl. She's a true trailblazer, but she's not only a trailblazer for herself, she's a trailblazer for others, Mm. which is really inspiring. You can find out more about Faith and the Silver Sirens organization by going to their website, which is silversirens.org. And you'll also hear and see a bit more about that great event that they've got planned for October. I did 
hear you say that you will be going to speak at that. I am. And it's one of those things where you put yourself out there sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about empty nesters and I'm the bird on the edge of the nest. The nest is not yet empty, but it's nearly there, which is both exciting and a little bit scary at the same time. So I'm really keen to explore that with the Silver Sirens team. We'll find all those details on the Silver Sirens website. And if you want to connect with us at Women's Network Australia, what are the details? You will find us on the World Wide Web, womensnetwork.com.au. And we're also on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. Just look for Women's Network Australia. All the places that you can connect, let's connect. Absolutely. Next time on WNA Trailblazers. We should not say the word but when we're communicating with people because it activates the mammalian brain, puts them into a a fight-flight response and then they argue with us. Really, a lot of the behaviours that we need to get better at are very easy things to do immediately to be instantly more persuasive. We get down to the business of how to present ideas and influence people with author and communication skills coach Michelle Bowden. Women's Network Australia Trailblazers, amplifying the stories of women in business. Follow us from this podcasting app and be the first to hear new episodes. Excited to share your story with our network? Follow the Contact Us link in the show notes to let us know. Women's Network Australia Trailblazers is a welcome change media production. 